This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is September 30th, 2020. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. Uh, Andrew Schmertz from 1987 through 1991. And uh, what shows did you host or produce or work on while you were at Hofstra Radio? Let me try to remember. There was there was a bunch. Uh, obviously, I was very involved in the news department, so I had anchored the evening news show from time to time. Uh, I did Good Morning Hofstra, which was the previous incarnation of the morning radio show. Uh, I also did New Age uh, New Age Images, uh, and occasionally hosted Airwave, even though I didn't know anything about the music. Uh, and of course, we all had to do um, classics from Hofstra as well. So there were many days where I would host classics from Hofstra. Did you produce or engineer any weekend or public affairs shows? Yeah, sure. I did. Uh, there was Out Behind the Barn was a country music show uh, hosted by Irv. Uh, I would board up that show. I did uh, a number of the public affairs programs that I I can't really remember offhand right now, but I was involved with those as well. Okay. Um, so there was an evening news program. Was there a particular name for that or was it just a news at six or something like that? I think there were a couple different names. David Mock was the news director uh, and Dave was a terrific personality. Uh, he really guided that news show very serious. Uh, Dave unfortunately passed away a number of years ago. Mm. I believe it was WRHU Reports, I think was the was one of the names over the time okay and what positions or titles did you hold at the radio station so i held just about every title there was uh you know everything from you know being a host to producing i was the producer for new age images uh, i would eventually my last year become the program director of the radio station okay so this is a multi-part question. You can answer it in whatever order you like, but um, I'm always curious, what brought you to the radio station initially? And then when you got there, where was it? What was it like? If you could paint a picture of what the office or studios looked like or the people that you met the first time that you walked into Hofstra Radio. So this is a very vivid story, and it's one that I remember all these years later. I did not go to Hofstra to actually become involved in the radio station or in communications in general. It was my first freshman year roommate, Harold Messinger, who said to me, I think the first week we're on campus, hey, I'm going to go over and check out the career fair that, they, that the school was having and look at the radio station because I'm interested in, in joining the radio station. I said, oh, okay. Wasn't doing anything, went over. Uh, and that's when I met uh, all the important people at the radio station at the time. And of course, Jeff Krause was out there basically recruiting students as the station did and probably does today every year at the start of the semester. And so I signed up. I said, yeah, this, this seems pretty good. I don't know anything about music, so I won't be any good in that department. But uh, I remember they were actually broadcasting live from, from, the, um, from the fair. Uh, spinning records, which they did back then still. Uh, then the the tour of the station, uh, the station at the time was located in the basement of uh, Bits and Bytes, which is which is still there, which they've greatly upgraded, by the way. <laughs> and And, you know, it's funny because we saw the station as a very modern looking station compared to what the station was previously. Previously, I believe it was in the basement of the Hofstra Theater. And today it's, of course, in Debster Hall. Uh, and 
you know, you walked in, you walked down stairs to the basement. There were no windows. There, it, it was a radio. It was an appropriate setting for a radio station. Uh, you know, you walk down the stairs, you walk to the right. And I remember the hallway to the studios, sort of a, a slight ramp. I remember mm-hmm. that there was like rubber tiling. Uh, and you walked in and you saw, you saw immediately kind of a station that was alive. Uh, it was a real world radio station. It was l- really broadcasting to the people out there. And, you know, you walked in and there was activity. There was, there was energy. And, you know, I felt that. And I found my home, you know, that day. Uh, I'm glad that I, I, I took my roommate up. I'm glad I took Harold up on that offer. Uh, because that really kind of led to a lifelong relationship uh, with WRHU. So at the at the fair where for the clubs and so forth, where was that on campus? And were they actually spinning records there, or was it just someone on mic? I think they were actually spinning records there. The fair hmm. was located, well, it was right in front of Bits and Bites. So it's that lawn that that the court right. uh, there. So you have uh, um, what was Dempster Hall a little bit further away. You have the theater in the distance. Uh, then you have bits and bites. And I don't think most of the students at the time, and maybe today, even knew that there was a radio station on campus right below where you know hundreds of students packed every day for lunch. Yeah, that, that sounds right. That checks out probably, as you said, still to today. So you go to this fair, you get the tour of the station, and I, I'm guessing you sign up for announcing and engineering classes. Do you remember anything from that, maybe who taught it or things that you learned or experienced in those classes? So I only took one radio course in my entire Hofstra career because I was mm. not a comm arts major. Uh, back then, the school did not have a communication school. It was a communications department. And I was not a member of the communications department. I wasn't even a member of the main uh, line college at Hofstra. I was a, I was a new college student, mm-hmm. which was a subdivision of Hofstra. And uh, unfortunately, new college does not exist anymore, I don't believe. Uh, so I only took one class. It was a voiceover class. And that was towards the end of my tenure at Hofstra. Uh, and I did that because I was just really interested in the course. So there were no actual courses. I seem to remember being kind of taught on the job. So first, you know, you're engineering. So I, I can't remember if it was Rich Radabali or Jason Levy, uh, who kind of taught me how to take a record and how to cue it up and how to do a segue uh, and then play what carts you play at the time. And this is this is probably all foreign language to anybody in the business now where everything is, of course, digitized. Uh, and then the announcing was the same. I, I remember my first day on the air I was actually terrified. I was mm-hmm. like, why did I do this? I was so nervous. And I was simply reading a five-minute newscast, I remember. Uh, and and that was a breakthrough because I got through it, obviously, and was no longer you know, nervous on the air. Um, so that was kind of a big day. And I think that happened pretty quickly. I honestly think that I was on the air about a month after I joined the radio station. Okay. Uh, when I went through it and a number of other people, there was there was an informal station-directed, student-directed uh, announcing class. So I imagine there must have been something about this is the way we sound on the air, things like that. Or did you just sit in studio with someone and, and kind of get a feel for it? Yeah, you know, there might have been, but I don't remember one. I was kind of just thrown 
thrown into the into the mix. Uh, and I don't know if that's because I wasn't a comm arts major. So mm-hmm. I was outside. I sort of was I was always at the radio station as the as the months went on. You know, we would eat at the radio station, you know, hang out at the radio station. It was just a place to congregate. And it was centrally located in the school. Uh, so but but outside of that, I was an outsider, I thought myself. Uh, and therefore, I don't know if I was ever part of any official training. Hmm. I might have been, but I don't I don't recall it. So that first time on the air reading that that newscast, uh, did you write the script for that? Did you work with, uh, you mentioned Dave Mock earlier. Uh, was it something that you knew a couple days in advance you're going to be doing Thursday's news or something like that? Or is it just, hey, we need you to go get on the air and, and go do it? I think I was given some notice. I Uh think I was told this day you're going to do the news. And uh, I did write the newscast. Um, You know, we had an old AP machine that was a dot matrix printer. uh, And uh, and then you you kind of ripped it off. And then you went to an office. I think it was in the music office where there was something called a typewriter. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we sat there and I typed up the newscast. And then my hands were shaking going down uh, to the station, uh, to the studio to uh to do the show so i i do remember that sort of uh chain of events taking place and and so that you probably would have been sitting in the announcing booth across from master control and wait for your crew Uh. that's that's right i was uh i was you know you didn't both engineer and announce when it came to the news show which was good because i don't think i could have handled that i just had to sit there you know he'd point you know the engineer would point to me and then i guess i just started talking (laughs) and i haven't shut up since it, it, it's something about the the air down there in the in the basement. It, it gets in you and it stays with you, yeah. I suppose. Um, That's right. So you've you've mentioned a few uh, names that are familiar to me: um, uh, Jason and Harold and um, and Rich and Dave Mock. Who are other people who are helpful to getting you started? Or do you remember other people who came in at the same time as you as you were getting acclimated? Sure. You know, Renee. Uh, Renee was a big influence on on me. She was a uh, contemporary, same year. Uh, she was very involved. She was very knowledgeable about mu- the music, and she was a fun person to be around. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eileen was uh, the station manager when I was program director. Uh, Eileen, as well, uh, was very involved in the station and, and was also fun to be around. I mean, everybody was fun to be around because you didn't have to be at the station, especially if you weren't taking any classes. Uh, so you could pack up and leave at any t- moment. And yet we all kind of had a good time. Doug Oaken, of course, who's who happens to be my business partner uh, at Hopscotch Air today. Doug Oaken was the co-host of Good Morning Hofstra. Uh, and Doug has, you know, that's where I made, um, you know, some of my best friends. Uh, Stephen Oling, of course. Stephen was eventually the sports director, but, you know, he was also contemporary the same year. Uh, and Stephen, you know, the sports department was in its kind of own world at the radio station. I think they thought of themselves as a premier division of it. And they were. I mean, there's very little doubt that the sports broadcasting uh, at WRHU uh, was consistently uh, on a high level because the rest of it, and this isn't a knock on the rest of it. The rest of it is new students come in and they're learning on the air and they're stumbling through everything and then they get better. And then new students come in and it's a cycle that repeats over and over. The sports department always had this kind of good, good premier sound because they were taking the people after they were trained uh, and, and sort of got a little rope. So Stephen Oling, uh, there's Stu Rushfeld, Stephen Goldman, of course. These are people I still speak to. Uh, Tony Sibilla. Uh, was another was another uh, contemporary 
uh, you, Brian. Um, I mean, I remember our discussions down at the radio station and your involvement yeah. in the station. Uh, and of course, uh, and of course, you know, you, you, Jeff Krause and, and Sue Zizza as well. Uh, Sue was, uh, had returned to the radio station as a graduate uh, and was instrumental in working with the students uh, on their broadcasting skills. Also, you know, she was very big into radio theater uh, and, and life skills in general. Uh, and then Ethan Dreilinger. I, mean, I hope I don't forget anybody. Ethan Dreilinger, who I'm still good friends with today. Uh, Ethan, Ethan was funny because his his personality is the same personality it is today. Hmm. He sort of has a laissez-faire, everything's going to work out uh, personality. And and you know that that's something you somebody you learn a lot from uh, when you're an anxious 18 year old at a new station uh, at a new school. Uh, so Ethan was, uh, was, was very comforting and, and also a, a lot of fun to, to be around. So you, you talk about, uh, being comfortable and, and, and hanging out at the, at the station and, and you said you didn't really have a lot of knowledge in terms of music, but you were interested in news and, and you've mentioned the sports department. Um, was there a moment where you said like, well, yeah, I'm going to gravitate towards this, or I want, I want to go that way. Was, what was the, the, the avenue for getting involved in news or, or wherever you wanted to go? I was always, I always liked news because I always liked political science and history. And they mm. sort of dovetail tail together and they're, and they're, it's sort of an important calling, if you will. Uh, you know, after that, I actually went into the news business for a number of years uh, and it gave me that foundation. So I gravitated to that very easily, uh, even though I was the producer for New Age Images and actually learned a lot about New Age music. It wasn't my passion at the end of the day. And so I gravitated to the news department uh, and as well, for whatever reason, sort of management, uh, which you know I don't regret doing at all, but ultimately that was not my place uh, and at the, at, in radio at least. Uh, and so, I, I think that's kind of the path that I took. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just kind of fell into the path of what was comfortable uh, and and doing all of that. And I didn't have to, because I wasn't taking any classes, uh, I think I had more flexibility uh, than many of the students who did have to take classes and then did have to do specific assignments. I was there for the pure fun of radio. So you're saying you, you weren't taking specific radio production or announcing classes. You were just uh, you were just going about your normal uh, curriculum, your your normal schedule, and then showing up at the radio station when you felt. Is that right? Yeah, that, that, that's right. Even though I was at the radio station almost every day and and all day Wednesday because New College didn't have classes Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, people people would say, Andrew, don't you have to go to class? I'm like, no, we don't have class on Wednesday. Uh, so that was sort of sort of how it worked out uh in 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 that area i i taught myself how to edit you know mm-hmm. back in the days where you had a you know remember grease pencil mm-hmm. uh and, and a razor blade uh you know items probably not allowed anymore <laughs> at a radio station uh but but learned all of that and and i enjoyed that by the way i enjoyed that process can, can you think of a time or a moment where, uh, as a freshman or as a relatively new person at the radio station, where uh, you've mentioned several times that you know you were spending a lot of time at the station, that you had a lot of friends there? Was there a moment where you thought you looked around and thought, "Yeah, this is this is where I want to be"? Was it a bell that went off, or is it just sort of you eased into it and 
this is where I'm going to be most of my day every day. I don't know if I ever felt uh, a specific emotion towards that fact. Hmm. It just kind of happened. It just was, it was easy. I liked the people. Uh, and I decided, you know, just to be there every day. I don't think there was a bell that went off and said, these are kind of my people. I never kind of thought that way. Uh, I do remember uh, being involved in the all night airwave show where we kept the station on all night. And I was like, mm. this is no big deal, but we all got into trouble for that. I was a freshman. And I think that's why I got the lightest punishment because I was just following what everybody else was doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, but, but that also said to me because of the people involved that, that the radio station kind of was, was the place. Uh, but I don't think it was any specific incident or a specific Yahoo moment in my head. Uh, that goes off. I just, just, just kind of fell into that. So uh, I'd love to hear more about that, that all night thing. And I guess, I guess my follow-up question to that sort of is, is I, I guess you got in trouble with, with Jeff Krause and what was his attitude or, or how did he handle that situation? So the whole thing came about, I seem to remember being involved in a discussion because the radio station back then signed off at 2 a.m. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a discussion, why are we signing off at 2 a.m.? You know, we're college kids. We're going to be up all night anyway. Uh, and so we decided to stay on the air the entire night, which, which at the time was a, was a earth-shattering, uh, rebellious thing mm -hmm. of the highest magnitude you could do. I, I, I can't imagine that it would be that today. Uh, and I'm not sure who specifically was the ringleader in all of that, but... Uh, and I do have the memo, by the way, because I kept all of Jeff's mm. memos. I have the memo uh, announcing the radio's, quote, suspensions of people uh, involved in that. And um, Jeff's attitude, honestly, looking back on it, was kind of like, these are just stupid kids, but I have to do something because rules have to be followed kind of thing. Because, you know, the, there were threats that the FCC was going to, you know, fine us. I mean, the FCC couldn't care, obviously. Nobody could care. Uh, less. Uh, I mean, I don't think many people listen to the radio station during the day. I'm sure less people listen to it at night at 4 a.m. So Jeff had to do something. Uh, and and I was a little scared, but I'm not that scared because I was like, well, if I get thrown out of here, I'll go somewhere else. Uh, so there was a there was a suspension uh, just to the radio station of various lengths of, of people involved. Uh, but Jeff was very cool about it, actually, looking back on it. Uh, I don't think he was... Um, I don't think he was being too heavy handed at all. He just had a set kind of, this is versus the role. Thinking back to that time and, and the, the brief time that I did get to know Jeff, uh, he was a fairly intimidating presence and looking now back, you know, from, from our ages now we can say, Oh, he, he seemed pretty reasonable about it and didn't, you know, uh, do anything too drastic, but um, do you remember uh, your impression of Jeff or meeting him or, or trying to get a sense of uh, what would fly with him and what wouldn't? I do. Uh, you know, he was intimidating. He uh, cut a very intimidating impression because he had a very deep voice. Uh, and he was always, he always played the serious role Mm -hmm. uh, at the station, which I think now looking back on it, he had to kind of do because he had to, you know, he had to wrangle a bunch of cats every day, you know, college kids who just wanted to have fun and, and, you know, was iconoclastic. He was very serious, the role he was playing. Uh, uh, yet as you got to know him, he actually was a very fun guy and was very funny. Uh, so 
you know, that was kind of my impression of, of Jeff. Uh, and I know there was, there was, there was always tension, uh, between him and the administration, but I also thought that was his role. His job was to create tension. So it looked like he was protecting the students from the administration, hmm. uh, with the radio station. And he did that brilliantly because the station today really reflects his vision for what the station could be. Uh, and he helped guide the station because at the time, the, the, the administration wanted a heavy hand on the radio station. Um, you know, they kept it student run, which which they deserve credit for, unlike other college radio stations. Right. Uh, but but they wanted a they wanted a a, a control over it. Uh, and Jeff had a had to mediate that back and forth. And so, you know, when you did something like the all night airwave show in the back of his mind, uh, he was like, this is going to be another reason the administration is going to want to clamp down on the station. And it's going to ruin it for everybody. So that's why, in hindsight, as adults, you can kind of see how he had that attitude. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I, I think you sort of touched on this, the answer to this next question, and it's usually where I wrap up, but uh, we can see where it goes. Um Looking back now as adults, as people with experience in, in broadcast industry and, and other industries, you can say, this is what Hofstra Radio meant to me and has meant all my life. But that, that day when you walked over to the, to the fair and got the tour and were looking around, what did you think WRHU and Hofstra Radio would mean to you? And uh, yeah, well, I guess, where did it go from there? So the day when I, you know, met the radio station and all the people involved in it, I didn't really have a vision of what the station would mean to me or where it would go. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody really would have that as an 18 year old in college, uh, away from home. Uh, there's a lot of different clubs and activities and teachers and classes that pull you in different directions and, and maybe spark your interest or don't spark your interest. So I don't know if on that day there was any great epiphany, but I will say, after all these years, uh, I made my best friends at that radio station. Hmm. People who have been friends for you know, 30 years now uh, after leaving uh, WRHU. Uh, I've remained in contact with the people who run this radio station today. I've been back several times. Uh, and you know, when I go back, there are, there are students today who who's claimed that they kind of heard of you. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's all good feeling. So it meant that you know, I had an impact of some sort. Uh, I made pe made friends with people who stayed friends uh, my whole life. And it really did spark uh, the career for me because I was fascinated by news. So it really gave me that kind of leg up as well. So it kind of checked all the boxes mm. from a social experience to a relationship friend experience to a career experience. It checked all of those boxes at the end of that four-year term. Uh, you know, looking back on it, you know, everybody says, you know, you look back on college and you realize that it went too quickly. And yet when you're a senior in college, you can't wait to, to get out. And that, that was the experience as well. After all of these years, I look back on the radio station with very fond memories mm. uh, and probably the best memories I had at Hofstra. Uh, Andrew, this was, this was a really uh, great conversation. And I find throughout the entire time, I'm, I'm smiling and nodding my head at so many things that you're saying and so many of the names. And uh, this was a really great time. And uh, I thank you for your, for your time and your memories. And uh, let's do this again sometime. Thank you, Brian.